What's up, guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and today I have Brad Hoover of Gowanus Fitness, which is a gym that's going to be opening up in Brooklyn soon, uh, sometime in the summer. And uh, Brad and I have been going back and forth on Instagram for a few years now, um, just talking about podcast episodes and talking about him opening up this gym. And he sent over some questions a couple weeks ago, and I said, hey, how about we hop on a podcast and I'll answer the questions. I can even answer more for you. We don't have to limit it to just a quick 10 minute call and other people can get value out of it as well. So welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here. It's my first, uh, first podcast. <laughs> cool. We'll, we'll make it, uh, easy and, uh, not too stressful for you. So, um, Give us just kind of a rundown of like where you're at with the gym right now. So we get an understanding of like, um, you know, people can kind of step into your shoes, you know, um, kind of what was the thought process behind opening the gym? What type of gym is it? And, you know, what's it going to look like when it's open here in the summer? Yeah. So I've been, been coaching group classes um, for five, five, six years before the pandemic opened. And I, I knew early on that eventually I'd like to open my own facility. Um, and it was just a matter of getting enough experience, getting the capital and lined up and then obviously finding a location and getting a team together. Um, it's been a few years trying to find the right location. It's very challenging in Brooklyn to find a space that is zoned, um, appropriately for a gym, uh, that comes at a cost per square foot that allows the business model to operate, um, from a profitable level, as opposed to just doing this as a hobby. And this, this will be a business and not, not a hobby. Um, and so that lease process took quite a while. Um, I won't go into the whole backstory. I think that's a whole nother podcast. In fact, <laughs> we had prior leases that did not work out. Um, but we, we signed a lease uh, in December. And then the owner of the building did a little bit of work for us, a tenant improvement, uh, handed over the space to us a couple months ago, or rather a month ago. And then we started construction two weeks ago. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Construction started right now. Um, and it should be about 10 to 12 weeks. Obviously, I'm sure there'll be some delays and there'll be sign-offs at the end locally. But as you mentioned, we're hoping to open uh, early summer, June uh, or July in uh, Kiwanis, which is a, a neighborhood in Brooklyn. Cool. How big is the facility? It's about 5,000 square feet. And it looks, it it looks even bigger because the ceilings are about 20, it's about 22 feet to the joist, but it's about 24 feet to the actual roof. Wow, that's big. What's going to be the layout that you guys are going to have? Is it going to be one open area? Are you going to have, um, you know, retail and, and different spaces, personal training? What's it going to look like? Yeah. So when our members walk in um, through the door on the left, they'll walk immediately into an area where they can put their things away, bags, coats. Um, there'll be the front desk, the reception right in front of them beyond that. And then to the right, there'll be a small you know, lounge hangout area. And then looking out into the open space, um, there'll be two bathrooms that we're putting in right now, as well as a small office on the left side, on the left wall. But the rest of the gym is completely open. Um, cool. There's also then, an existing, yep. Well, um, in terms of the type of gym it's gonna be, um, I know you come from a CrossFit background, but from what I understand, this won't be a CrossFit gym. What do you, what are you imagining the type of gym to be and the kind of the core services that you're going to be offering. Yeah. Um, yes, we did decide not to affiliate with CrossFit. Made that decision a couple um, years ago. Initially, I thought we would. Um, that's another conversation. But uh, we're going to be obviously an opening uh, locally operated and owned um, you know, health and fitness facility. We will have group classes. Um, and we're going to offer two core offerings from the beginning. First is uh, our GSC, which is our Gowana Strength and Conditioning group class. Um, There'll be strength, there'll be cardio, there'll be body weight training. We will utilize dumbbells, kettlebells, some barbells, but not nearly to the extent that a traditional um, CrossFit gym may, may include. Um, and then our second core offering is going to be our nutrition service. So we'll have content, we'll have seminars, we'll have one-on-one -on -one personalized training. Um, we feel that in general, nutrition is largely left out um, at gyms, especially traditional you know, franchise or chain gyms, but even in the micro gym industry, um, sometimes there's coaches that have knowledge about nutrition and a member might ask them, you know, offhand, but there's no formal kind of organized program or way for someone to really achieve their goals uh, on the nutrition side. It's really just focused on the fitness side. So we think kind of combining and having another main pillar of uh, that being nutrition um, will really strengthen our offering and help our clients achieve the goals and results that they're looking for. 
Cool. And how about personal training? How do you see that coming into play, if at all? Yeah, so we will have um, personal training. We initially are not going to um, you know, advertise or market or try to sell people on personal training. One, because we really want to dial down and nail our two core offerings, nutrition and our group class. Um, secondly, I think with the space, we want to kind of see how the group class works and how much space we have uh, to potentially do personal training during those same hours. Otherwise, they would need to take place outside of the group class hours. Um, but we will have nutrition, uh, sorry, we will have personal training as part of the gym long term. Um, and then we'll have one smaller uh, group class, so kind of a, a third offering, which will be our postpartum class. The neighborhood we're opening in, um, there's a lot of new parents. Um, and we think that a class like that will attract kind of the families and the, the client avatar that we're, that we're really looking for. And we think we can serve them well with, with my partner's experience leading that postpartum class. Awesome. And what's your starting team look like? You have, is it just you? What's your team looking like right now? Yeah. So there's, there's three of us right now. Um, the partner I just mentioned, she'll be heading up the nutrition program, um, and coaching the postpartum class. Her background is largely in nutrition coaching, um, as well as competitive, um, you know, figure performances as well. Um, uh, body compositions, uh, contests and what have you. So she'll head up that side and she'll do a little bit of the operations. Um, I'm going to do more of, uh, most of the operations as well as sales, marketing, um, the financial part of the gym. Um, and then she'll be coaching some classes as well. Uh, and then we have a third partner, uh, or really employee and he'll be coaching, uh, group classes primarily. Cool. And we'll, we're looking to right, hire so a couple other coaches before we open and, and probably a front desk staff as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so now that we got kind of a, a layout of what everything's going to look like, what were the big questions that you had coming into this? What are you still trying to figure out? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's two big ones, the, the, the grand opening strategy and, and kind of how we're going to structure our memberships. Um, as I've kind of hinted at, this is a long time coming, opening this gym. And so I, I put a lot of thought and we put a lot of thought into how that would be. And we've kind of changed our mind a few times um, over the, the years and certainly even actually over the last couple of months. Um, but as far as, as the grand opening, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, and, and let me, I'm curious what your feedback is the first week being free. Um, but the first week that we're open, not the first week for each person that comes. So if we were to open on, on Monday, July 1st, then from the first through the seventh, all classes are free for everybody. But on the eighth, that is when the membership date would start. And then the first charge would go through the credit card. Um, but that first week would give people one, two or three you know, classes potentially to come um, check out the gym, see what we're all about before committing to a longer contract or committing to a longer you know timetable with us. Um, and then secondly, we'd have a founders club um, and we're leaning towards not having any discount memberships. So I'd prefer to offer people things that are of a value up front um, as opposed to discounting a membership rate for some period of time. So for example, there could be a complimentary personal training um, 30 minute or 60 minute, there could be nutrition consultation. There'll be swag like t-shirts and water bottles and things like that, that are of value that help people um, get a little more upfront if they commit to a membership during that first week um, that we're offering free classes. Cool. What's the, um, what's the ultimate pricing going to be? Um, or where, where are you leaning towards right now? We're, we're leaning towards having a combination of commitment length pricing and frequency based pricing. So with the commitment length, um, potentially having the traditional three, six, 12 month options. But before we get to that conversation with someone who's interested in joining our gym, we'd want to understand and through an assessment kind of what their goals are, their background, their availability. Um, you know, are they coming, do they want to come three times a week, four times a week, five times a week? And that's in part based on, on their goals and, and their, uh, their own schedule. And then once we determine something that's appropriate for them, then we can show them the pricing of it, let's say a three, six, 12 month. Um, and depending on a longer commitment, they might get a lower price per month. So the 12 would be priced a little bit lower than the three month. Okay. Um, what frequency are you looking to have there in terms of visits, visits per week or visits per month? Um, I mean, we were looking at 12 times a month, 16 times a month, and then unlimited. Okay. Or three times, cool. so, maybe four times a week. Um, and then will you have a month to month option as well? I don't think we'll have a month to month option. Um, I think we'll probably have a three month 
we have the, the neighborhood that we're opening in is an area that's actually not that transient, although Brooklyn largely is, but there's a lot of families where we are. Um, and I also think that for members that are joining and want to achieve a certain goal, you know, a month is just not enough. And I think people are willing and able to commit to three months. We can show them more about what we're about in those first 90 days and what we offer. They'll get value from that versus just doing a month uh, offer. Okay. What would, what would a 12 month, 12 month commitment pricing look like? Do you have that the 12 months for all three of those levels? So for, um, a 12 month, we were looking at, uh, I think it's 315 a month, six months would be 355 and a three month would be 375. That is for how many visits? Or is that for, is that, that 12 months for 12, 16 and 20 vis visits a month? So, th so that's if we were to only offer a commitment length offering and not have frequency based pricing. Um, and that's why I wanted to get your opinion. It gets a little trickier because if we had both three different commitment length offers and three different frequency based offers, right? That's a matrix of, of nine, um, which is why it might be challenging to show someone that because if the buyer has too many options, they typically don't buy at all. They just kind of walk away. Um, and so it's a matter of figuring out how do we present this to them, um, which is why I thought, and I'm wondering what your opinion is in an assessment, if we discussed goals and get to know them, what have you, and figure out an appropriate amount of time for them to come per week, then we could show them the pricing, you know, for a three, six or 12 month option for that amount of times per week, if that makes sense. Yeah. So basically if, if we do three length options times three frequency options, that gives us nine different memberships and that's a lot um yeah. i get what you're saying is okay we're going to do this consultation and we're not going to present all nine we're going to present you know two or three of these options and we'll narrow it down for them what i've seen is that people's um frequencies really change based on they're not really fully sure at first so initially when we're prescribing for them most of the time we're saying, you know what, no matter what, you got to come in three days a week. Like that's how much you got to give me. And honestly, you as the expert are often making that prescription um, first as opposed to letting them decide. And sometimes when we have too many options, it can feel like, oh, well, they're going to tell us what they want. Whereas most of the time we're going to be telling them what they should be doing. Now, what that typically looks like though is, okay, we're gonna start at three days a week. Once that feels really good, let's bump you up to four days a week. And then depending on how time and schedule allows, you might eventually get up to five or more. But no matter what, you know, let's, let's make sure you do get at least one to two rest days because you don't need to be doing this every single day. So that's where it can get tricky is that you might be, prescribe, you might be prescribing a way for them to work up and then that can get very tricky from a membership side of things and on the back end side of things. Mm -hmm. um, when, when it comes to three, six, and 12, I think having all three of those is, is unnecessary to me. I like to think about it. And actually uh, my friend, Chris Thorndike talks about this a lot is like an initial offering or a core offering and then like an ongoing offering. And for us, that's kind of how we structure as well. We start with our, our members with a 40 day 40 days to fit membership that includes their body fat testing, personal training, uh, their initial 40 days of group classes, and then they go into a recurring month to month. Um, and that's not to say that that's the best way or the only way to do it. A lot of this stuff is that it's not, a, it's not about this way's right and this way's wrong. What we want to make sure is that our views on training and, um, and like the incentives for the members line up with our membership structure. And we don't, we don't want to feel like we go to prescribe something and then it feels out of alignment with how we view the training side because our, pri our pricing and our memberships don't align with that. So an example of that to just bring some clarity to it is maybe you don't believe that anybody should come less than four days a week or on the high end, you don't believe anybody should come more than five days a week. And, you know, having an unlimited option for a gym that doesn't believe in coming six days a week doesn't make sense. You might cap your frequency pricing at 20 times a month because you feel like, hey, it doesn't matter how committed you are, 
if you want to you want to use your fitness get outside the gym do other stuff you only need to be in here five days a week so again that's not about being right or wrong that's just making sure that your values align with the memberships that you offer um, the flip side of that is I've seen a lot of people offer punch cards or eight visit a month and then they're like then when they prescribe to someone they say no matter what you got to come three days a week yet they have an eight visit a month membership that doesn't make sense um, for us, we're big on our committed club. Our committed club is 15 visits a month. So we don't have a membership that is less than 15 visits a month because we want every single person in our membership to be eligible to make our committed club every single month. So we basically have a 15 and unlimited for that reason is because we want, we want to be able to talk about the committed club and build hype around it. And we don't want a third of the membership to be like, oh, well, I only pay for 12 times a month. So that's not, that doesn't matter to me. Um, it's not available to me. So my, my initial thought is I think we need to simplify. Um, Agreed. And then the other, the other thing that I'll ask is, is like, let's, let's take a step back and think about, okay, well, what is the benefit of the contract? Like why, why use a contract at all? Um, and are we willing to uphold that contract? You know, sometimes the benefit of the contract is that we get a mental commitment, mental, emotional commitment from that client, right? So because, you know, they might want to cancel at some point, they might get off track, but this contract keeps them on track. So I like it for that reason. I also like it for the ability to prescribe a solution. So sometimes at gyms, when it is just a month to month membership, we sell people on the membership, you know, just get into class, try it out. And then we're not selling them on the solution. We're not focused on their goals enough. And that's a big mistake in my opinion. Um, another big benefit of contracts is that you have the ability when the contract ends to increase your pricing or change your pricing because, you know, you might not, you're obviously going into this. I want to price it right from day one, but hopefully this thing is successful. You wouldn't be starting this business if you didn't want it to be successful. And what happens five years, 10 years down the road when a price increase needs to happen? And hopefully you don't have to wait that long, but I just find if you can intentionally set up your memberships in a way where you know what potential price increases might look like, um, it might even be good to just build it in from day one. Okay, once your 12 month contract is up, you're gonna be up, you're gonna be up for the next pricing and we we plan to do increases annually or biannually um, so this locks you in at a lower rate as the the prices potentially go up over time mm -hmm. yeah another another benefit i think is if, if we wanted to sell the gym which we have no plans to do but if long term successful and you want to sell it if there are no contracts i think it's harder to to value the gym at a higher amount um, if everyone's on a month to month because theoretically you could sell your coach to leave and everyone could just cancel um, but that, right. that is, but, um, we're not really looking at that obviously right now. Um, just to go back, cause I've, I've thought about the ICO that Chris has discussed, Chris Thorndike has discussed. So when your members finish those 40 days to fit at fit town Jupiter, they then have the option of, of doing 15 times a month or unlimited at such so different prices there. Yes, basically. Yeah. That's, that's the two main options and they can, they can choose between beach fit and FTX memberships. And your ICO is, is that price that I don't know, let's just say a hundred dollars above the regular rate membership. How do you, how do you price the ICO based on, on what exactly? So ours is, um, we have two main offers, a two ninety nine and a four ninety nine package. So it does end up being more than their month to month, but for us, they get a lot in that initial package. So they get personal training sessions, they get their body fat testing, mm -hmm. they get eBooks and guides. So there is more value in there. Um, I think you can really go a bunch of different ways for that. For us, it's really about holding their hand and making sure that they get kind of the best experience in their first 40 days, more so than the price point being at a certain amount. Um, so we're really thinking about, we're willing, we're willing to give up on the front end. We're willing to be break even or even slightly lose money, give an incredible experience. And then 
if we do that, we're like very likely to have that person for six, 12, 18 months and beyond. Mm -hmm. So that's how we've structured ours. I think that for your, um, your founding members, that's the approach that I would like to see from you is, and I think that's the direction that you're moving, which is let's give a lot of value in the front end versus a lot of a discount. Let's still make sure that they're paying a pretty substantial rate, but let's give over deliver on value yeah. in the form of PTs, nutrition, coaching, um, whatever you want to throw into that. And then that way they have an amazing experience. They get a little bit more handholding and they're set up for success, but they're still paying a, a premium price. I think, I think my experience has taught me that you want your initial offer to look pretty close to what their ongoing is, is going to be, unless you plan on being like a high ticket service, which you guys are, I would say high ticket compared to most group offerings, but you are not anywhere near high ticket, right? You're not at a $3,000 package. And um, so I would say you're just a, a normal ticket. You're just higher for a group class, but maybe you're not even high for Brooklyn. I don't know what the going rates are in Brooklyn. Yeah, if you were to look at other gyms, micro gyms that offer group classes, we'll be priced above them, but not that much. Um, I mean, if, if you, you know, it is Brooklyn, New York, so the, the prices are substantially higher for services than most other places in, in our country. Um, just one more question, Andrew, on the, on the ICO. Um, how did you decide on 40 days? Is that always what Fifth Town has done? Was that a different amount of time previously? We've played with all different amounts. Um, I'm not even sure really how we got to 40 days. I think, I think most of our thinking has been along the lines of let's do a substantial enough that they can see progress yeah. and that we, we can kind of prove ourselves in that time. Um, so we're, we constantly have played with that balance of, you know, anywhere between 30 and 90 days. Um, I think with where, where you're headed, I think something like a three month initial uh, package could be an awesome way to get people in the door. You can add additional value into that in the form of some kind of nutrition service or personal training. And then from there, um, potentially going into contracts or month to month after that. Um, the question I have for you is, is so much of what I see with, mem with gyms that offer contracts is they're super structured on the front end, but then as soon as that initial contract is done, they're very haphazard after that. They're, they're not treating it. Like if I have a personal training client and I book that client for 30 sessions, well, when we get to session 27, 28, I'm talking about the next package with them, you know, and I'm planning even before that in terms of their, their training program and our conversations, but like, I'm not waiting for session 30 no. to figure out what's going to happen next. And, but I find on the group side is that people have ex a high hopes that they are going to treat it that way. And then they don't, they don't resell that person. They don't rehab that goals conversation. And that to me is where contracts really fall apart is that if you're not going to really treat it as a true contract where you have to win that person over again at the end of their contract, then I think you just want to go for month to month. And that really comes from like, how high touch do you need, do you want your service to be? And do you plan it to be? And if you want it to be very high touch and you feel like you have the margin, your pricing makes sense to have a margin built in where it can be high touch, then yes. But if not, then, you know, you're, you're going for more of that volume model in quotations and, you know, you may want to go more towards that month to month side. Yeah, no, we definitely want to be very high touch, very hands on, especially during the ICO, but even beyond that, because um, we're going to be a small community gym. We're not just trying to maximize the number of bodies in there. Um, we, we care about the people that will be joining the gym, their goals and their progress toward those goals. Um, I do see your point regarding not having contracts for that reason um that you just stated so I, I mean i think we are as you said before we're definitely leaning more towards some kind of ico whether that's 60 days or 90 days is to be determined um if i could just ask one more question on the ico if we were to do 90 days how would we decide whether we charge that 90 day ico up front in one payment when they start versus three different payments because that 90 day would be a bigger number up front so mentally it's a harder number right for someone to digest versus a 40 day as yeah. an example 
I like the I like the three monthly payments. I think it makes it look very digestible. Um, it yeah. can be higher than what they're going to pay ongoing. So there's a drop off after their initial three months because most people are going to be willing to pay more upfront, especially with a good sales process when they're very motivated than they mm -hmm. are afterwards. So if, if let's say you're ongoing, you, you mentioned 375 as a price point. Okay, 375 a month is my, my 12 months after the initial offer, but maybe I pay 475 a month or 575 a month for my first three months. Mm -hmm. That to me is a, a increase that is very digestible for a member that it's gonna make the, the ongoing price seem cheap, but it doesn't seem so crazy that um, you're gonna get a lot of pushback in those sales conversations if you're doing it well. Yes, and that's exactly why we, we don't plan to have an offer such as you know, 50% off your first three months and then you go to regular rate because you don't want to see your, your, your charge in your car go up and you don't want to mentally have to be, be like, oh, I finished my three months now, I'm going to be paying more, which is why we're trying to provide a lot of value up front. Yeah. Cool. This, this is helpful. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So one thing that jumped out to me is you were explaining your, your Founders Club, your first week free. One thing that I don't love about the first week free is that I think it can put you on your heels in these next three months. And what I would encourage you to do is like, I want you to have the mindset that you're trying to open up with a full gym on day one. You're trying to open up with people that have already paid you and committed to this. So that doesn't mean you can't do the first week free. Mm -hmm. I just find that it could potentially be a distraction for you and it could be a crutch where you might be able to collect literally $100,000 plus in your, in your time in the next three months. Yet, if you're like, oh, well, we have this first week free, just show up then, and you're kind of pushing stuff off, you're kind of sweeping it under the rug, I think it, it can end up being a really bad thing for your business. So what I, what I would encourage you to do, if you want to still have it, because there might be benefit and use to it, but I would treat it as... Like you could bring your, if you sign up in advance, you can bring any friends with you. You won't get charged for the first week, but like you're, you're trying to sell people, you know, come May, especially that's going to be a big month for you, May and early June, assuming you're going to open in late June, early July. Like you yep. want to be booking people, taking their money on the spot. Okay. You don't necessarily have to charge them that day. Although I probably would, I would charge that charge first, first payment month. and then just yep. delay their second payment. Yeah, um, I would just delay that second payment to say, okay, your second payment's not going to happen until five weeks after we initially open. Um, but I would charge that first payment. I would start bringing in some revenue. I would get them committed and I would sell with some urgency because the offer should be set up in a way where there is some urgency to it. Sure. If you want this level of value, you got to sign up by the end of May. If you want this level of value, you have to sign up by the end of June. Um, you know, that you want to create urgency in that way and, and collect that money up front. You do not want to delay um, because you're once the gym opens, I know you I know you're a dad, um, you're, you're planning a lot of stuff. The construction's not going to be easy. But once the gym opens, there's going to be a lot more on your plate and it's better to, to focus on sales and marketing now when you can do it and, and start getting that really dialed in. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, those are great reasons not to do that first week free. Um, I didn't think about it that way, but that's that's something um, that I'll put more thought into. But I think I am leading already towards what you just said um, for those reasons. We, there's one other thing related to the grand opening that I think you and I messaged about a few months ago. You had, um, or we had come to a possibility where perhaps someone, if we did contracts and we committed to someone to a 12 month, that they would get like a 12th month free or the 13th month free. So they'd pay the regular rate you know, throughout the year and then they'd have a month free at the end. Have you seen gyms try that? Did you, did you guys try that at any point or um, do you have any like new thoughts on, on that potential offer as a, uh, like a founders club member? Uh, we have not tried that. I haven't seen a ton of gyms try that either. Um, but I, I like it. I don't think that's a bad offer. I think, um, yeah, I think that you could play with when you want to, add that month in, whether that is up front or on the back end. Um, 
But I like that because you are, yes, you are giving up money, but you're not giving up a monthly profit margin, which I think is really key. Yeah. Um, that, that is the most important thing that we have to protect is the ongoing recurring margin. Agreed. Because that's the part that so many gyms get themselves in trouble. So where you can give up value in a way that's either one time or as a, a value add in terms of personal training or nutrition coaching that you're adding on, those are always going to be the best ways to do it. All right, so let's talk a little bit about billing. Okay, how you're just going to do standard monthly billing on this? I, we were um, considering every four weeks. Um, I've certainly heard that on other, uh, not your podcast, but I think I've heard it from someone else. Um, and it had never occurred to me until I first heard about it. Um, so we haven't put much thought into it. We're right now just considering doing monthly. But do you have a strong opinion on every four weeks versus monthly? I know you get that extra, I guess you get an extra bill in that annual year, obviously, if you do every four weeks. Yeah, you get you get an extra um, half a bill, basically. Half so bill. 26 pay periods, 26 two-week periods in a 52-week uh, year. So um, if you bill monthly, you get 12 bills. If you bill every four weeks, you're going to get 12 and a half of those, yeah. um, which does make a difference. So... Um, the other thing that can be cleaner about that is that your, if you go frequency-based pricing and it's 12 times per four weeks, 16 times per four weeks, 20 times per four weeks, it literally is a clean three days a week, four days a week, five days a week. Great point, so, yeah. Um, it, that can make sense. I mean, honestly, again, from a margin standpoint, the, the gym industry is tough. It is tough to, to have that margin and create that margin and any place that you can do it that is not a takeaway for the member um, and any way that you can do it from day one instead of changing it over time, you know, I, I think you want to you want to really think hard about it. So I would lean in that direction for sure. Um, just because once you start without it, it's very hard to change it. Um, you just end up with so many membership options that if you can start that way from day one it makes it easy. Um, and then also if people are comparing prices, people, people are going to look at, okay, I'm paying a little bit more for this facility. They're not, they're just going to compare it as it's apples to apples. They're not going to say, oh, but this one's 28 days and this one, you know, some yeah. months is 31 days. Like people don't make those comparisons. So it's really, it's really easy way to squeeze out another half billing cycle for your, your gym in a way that doesn't really you know, hurt the customer, throw them off from their normal buying process. Um, another thing to consider is when you do start to build out your staff, you're going to be paying your staff every two weeks. So you will, in fact, have, you know, every four weeks, you're going to have two payroll periods. And if you bill monthly, well, then you, you kind of get screwed on the payroll side in those two weeks out of the year. Um, so it does match up better to have your, your monthly membership or your four-week membership match up in a similar fashion to the way your payroll does. Yeah, you, you made a good point also that it's very hard to change that sort of thing after the gym is open. It's the same with pricing. It's the same with a lot of decisions that we're making right now, which is in part why I wanted to have, I wanted to have this conversation with you um, because getting it all right from the yeah. beginning, um, everyone has the same expectations. It's level as opposed to then trying down the road to make a major change like that. Um, before I forget, if I could ask yeah. one so, question so yeah, related we, to that. Go ahead, yeah. yeah. Have you, have you um, or are you familiar with other gyms that have tried to get their members off of credit card and onto ACH in order to avoid the credit card processing fees? Oh yeah, we're, we're very, that is something that we have a ton of experience in. So we started with credit cards ACH was just an option for people, but we never pushed it. So we probably had 2% of members doing that. Um, we did the math and, and learned at some point that, oh my God, we're paying so much in fees, credit card fees, about three or four years into our business. So then we, we made a push to switch people over. Um, I think initially it was just like, I think we might've had like a bonus of some sort if people switched. 
And then over time we switched to a actual penalty, which was, okay, if you want to pay with credit card, it's a $5 processing fee after the first payment. So we don't let that be a barrier to them getting started. But what we say is, okay, great. You can use a credit card for this first payment. Um, your next billing is this date. If you bring in a checking account by this date, your payment will be what it is. If you want to stay with credit card or you forget, you will have a $5 processing fee on that next payment and beyond. So we found that that works really well. Um, also, one thing that you can do is once you do get some volumes up in terms of how much you're billing each month, mm. you can make a call to your processor and you can get your bill, your processing fees down. So between getting probably 80% of our membership onto ACH, adding those credit card fees on the ones that don't, and then negotiating lower rates with our credit card processor. And the way we did that was we, we actually got rates from another credit card processor that was sure. trying to win our business. And then we brought those back to the original credit card processor and said, hey, we don't wanna switch, but this is what we're being offered. And they offered us a lot better. Those things have saved us, I mean, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point because of the volume that we do. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's definitely in the tens of thousands per year. If you, if you, all of your members were still today on a credit card, you'd probably be over a hundred thousand a year, um, just in the fees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll, I'll look more into ACH and trying to. I, I like that strategy of having there be a fee, but only after the first payment because it may be challenging to one explain in case someone's not even sure what that direct deposit or uh, direct bill or ACH is during the sales process and get them to, to give that information to you. But having it be credit card for the first month with no fee and then potentially later on having a 5% fee, that that seems like a better way to explain it um, for getting people to go on to ACH versus credit card. Yeah, and then you can just, you can usually do reports in your membership software. So if like, yeah, I'll be honest, there are times where someone pays credit card with their second month that we do not charge them because we just didn't get around to it or we, sure. we missed something. Um, someone signed them up, myself signed them up and I'm not as good as our front desk staff at making sure that that uh, fee gets added to it, but we can audit it from time to time. We run reports, okay, cool. These people have been paying with credit card. Let's reach out to them, let's offer them to pay with ACH and then let's make, that, make it clear on what that fee will look like if they don't switch over. Um, we, we kind of touched on it briefly, but the last thing I'll, I'll say on the pricing side of things is, is have some idea about what your future increases will be. Um, you don't have to have it perfect. You don't have to have it dialed in. I know Jason Kalipa, I don't know if he's changed his stance on it, but I think about a year ago, he just, he told his members, and I think Kelly Sturette did this too, back before they shut down uh, CrossFit San Francisco was they just said, Hey, from now on, we're just going to do a 3% yearly increase on memberships. So you guys can plan, we can plan, it's very clear. Um, and they got like the least pushback from that message versus, you know, so many of us have these big emotional um, moments to try to have these increases. And then we end up doing them less often. We end up, um, you know, making it a big, emotional bank account um, yeah. withdrawal on people where they feel bad about it. Um, and if you can just have it very clear from the beginning, um, even if it's clear in the way of saying, you know what, we do, we do increases, we do plan to do increases every one to two years, um, just to give you a heads up. And that's part of your contract that you guys have. But if we don't have contracts, then it does have to be you know, some kind of, maybe it could still be in the discussion and the sales process, but it's, if it's without contracts, then we do have yeah. to, it's a little bit bigger of an emotional, of a hit on their emotional bank account as you, as you phrased it. Yeah. And at the very least, don't say the opposite. Don't say, oh, by joining our founders club, you're locked into this. No. Like that's where people really get themselves into trouble. So 100% do not say that. Um, but I would encourage you to move in the direction of of just setting some future expectation about what potential price increases would look like. Yeah, that's good advice. All right, so let's talk a little bit about marketing and filling your gym prior to day one. 
what strategy, if anything, do you have for that? Um, I think there's there's two main things. One is is the the internet side, so the social media side, and the other is actually going door to door locally. Um, so you know, obviously, starting to put out content, which we'll be doing next month, um, on Instagram, on Facebook, at least those two places to start, as well as our website. We're going to try to launch that uh, by the end of April. Uh, we just have a, a website now where you can go and enter your email address and name, but they actually have more than just that. Um, so that's one side of it, and the other is just going door to door walking into as many businesses, restaurants, bars, um, other fitness facilities um, in the area and just introducing ourselves. Hey, we're Gowanus Fitness. We're opening in a couple months. This is what we're offering. Um, and just starting that conversation because you never know where that could lead um, and just getting more people aware. And obviously that's that takes more effort, but I think that's what we're going to have to do and what we want to do anyway um, because we're going to be a community gym and we don't want to just be opening without anyone really knowing locally. Um, and there are a lot of businesses in the Gowanus neighborhood and the neighborhoods that surround us um, that are locally owned. So I think those two like broad pillars of, of, of marketing is kind of what we're, we're looking at. Cool. I think that's a great strategy. Um, that is going to provide some initial awareness. Make sure you have ways of capturing contact information. So that could be, okay, when we, when we go around, we have a clipboard with us to these businesses and anybody that shows legitimate interest, we have a way to easily get their name and number, um, on the, so uh, I like what you're saying about the website and the social media that you have a way for them to just go onto the website, enter their information and very simply, um, kind of raise their hand to say that they want to be contacted when it comes to social media itself and and i imagine that you're going to start to post pictures of the construction you're going to start to post things about you know what type of gym you are your approach to fitness your approach to nutrition which do that if you're not planning to do that already yes we i would treat each each like each comment on your page as a potential client and i would reach out to those people to start conversations, the same, the exact same approach you're going to have on the door to door side of things. So it doesn't have to be an initial, you know, what's your fitness goals. It can just be like, Oh, are you, are you in the neighborhood? Do you live locally? Like it could just start that conversation, um, of more of the personal side to engage them. And then there's a high likelihood if that conversation, if you do enough of those reach outs and you're doing it in a way that's genuine and authentic, those conversations are going to lead into fitness and gym conversations. Um, but that, that hand to hand combat, you know, the same way that you're willing to do it door to door, do that online and that will uh, be a game changer for you prior to opening. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I'm sure you've heard because um, I think you mentioned Gary Vee before. I'm sure you heard Gary Vee talk about it when he first started Wine Library. I think he replied to every single Twitter and Instagram post that came his way for like years, maybe five or more years. Um, and he'd be up to like two in the morning doing that. And he's talked about that a lot and how important the building those relationships are. Um, and that's someone that I've gotten some advice from over the years. So that's, that's definitely something we're planning to do. Yeah. Um, what, what I found is that when you're new and you're starting out, a lot of times we wait for we wait for a comment to come through or a message to come through. Whereas if you can, if someone likes a post of yours, um, another option for you guys would be starting a Facebook group. If someone joins your Facebook group, that is the that is them raising their hand for you to reach out. Um, and because my experience is that if you wait for a comment, you wait for a direct message. There's gonna your number of people is going to be so small and you have to you have to be willing to do a little bit more with these warm or cold leads that are still leads as opposed to waiting for them to be more hot leads yeah then you have to be you have to be active and proactive you can't just wait sit back and hope people come otherwise there'll be no one in the gym when the door when the doors open on day one yes Exactly. 
So I would create a strategy for that now, um, a strategy that involves all three of the partners of the business where everybody is leveraged to it. Because again, once you open, this becomes so much harder. And if you open with a full gym, your life is that much easier. Um, so spend the time and energy on this now, um, dial this in now, and and uh, yeah, you guys be good to go once you open. Yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of questions on the sales side. I think that's one of um, our team's biggest weaknesses. Um, I, you know, as I said, I spent many years coaching group classes, but very rarely sold a new member. Um, those situations were not part of my responsibility. Um, and I know there's so many resources online, YouTube videos, podcasts, uh, books, other websites to get help on, on sales. But is there a couple of resources that you'd recommend, um, you know, diving deep into as far as helping with, um, you know, potentially like a, let's say a 10 or 20 minute chat with a prospect, like where, where can I kind of learn the most to improve, you know, my skill set around that part of operating the gym? Yeah, a lot of that's just going to come through reps. Um, sales is something yeah. that unless you're starting to do the repetitions, it's very hard to teach. Once you are doing the repetitions, you can learn super fast. Um, yeah, I had general recommendations for you. I'm actually not sure which one of these would have the most sales stuff in it, but um, I definitely would recommend both of Alex Hormozzi's books, um, Gym Launch Secrets and $100 Million Offers. Um, I think they go a little bit in the sales, but I think both of those books are great. And then um, Chris Cooper's book, his his favorite one of mine is uh, Founder, Farmer, Tinker, Thief. I think that's an excellent book. But I know he has a book called Help First, which may actually be the better one as it relates to sales and sales training. Um Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll look I can send you a few links to our podcasts that, that go through sales um, and how we structure it. But honestly, for me, the biggest, the biggest tip on sales is just like have some really good question, go-to questions that you know you can fall back onto. Um, you know, some of my favorite ones are, are things like, like what, is, what does success look like to you? You know, if if three months from now, six months from now, things are going really, really well with us and, and you're happy, you're really happy you signed up. What, what, what could you point to, to say, yes, it's because of this. It's because of the clothes I'm fitting into the way I feel about myself, um, the things I'm able to do, how I'm able to play with my kids. Like, what is it about that, that you would say, hell yeah, this is awesome. I'm so glad I committed to this. Um, on the front end, asking about their goals and just ask, re-asking those same questions, you know, not taking things at, at face value, but, you know, asking like five, the five whys basically. Okay, great. You want to lose 10 pounds? You know, why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Well, I want to fit into this. Okay, cool. You know, why, like, what will, what will that allow you to do or how will that make you feel? Um, and just having a genuine presence and a genuine curiosity about that person is really big. Um, and then the, the final thing I'll say is just don't try to sell everybody. Like, I know it's hard at first because you're like, man, everybody is like, is potentially going to make the gym successful or not. You know, I know what that feels like. Um, you have to be willing to let people go. You have to go into a conversation saying, you know, this is my, this is my mom. This is my best friend. Like if this person were coming to me wanting to know the best way for them to reach their goals, I want to give them the path to get there. If that happens to run through our gym, like if I think that what we do is a really good fit for what their needs are, then I'm going to, I'm going to sell that. I'm going to offer it. I'm going to be excited to say, yeah, you're going to be an awesome fit here. And I definitely think we can help you. If not, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell them what is, what I think is the right path, whether it be like just starting to walk and, and eat better on their own, whether it be going to a personal trainer, maybe that's someone not at your gym, like be willing to prescribe something that's not your solution. Yeah. And that allows you to be so more, so much more confident when it is you. Yeah, no, it's a great point because not every person is the ideal customer 
for your service for our gym um, in this case. It's obviously, as you said, kind of easier exactly. said than done years from now. It's a little more challenging when you're first opening and, and trying to get uh, members to join. Um, but you do make a fair point, a good point. Um, that that yeah, is and, and, and you don't, you maybe don't even, I was going to say, you don't even have a, a true feel for it yet, right? You have some experience coaching through the years, but you don't necessarily have a feel for like, okay, I had this conversation with this person and they turned out to be this amazing member. And I had this conversation with this person. Oh, it turned out to be a bad fit. So like some of that is you're still fine. You're still feeling that out. Um, but I think there will be obvious examples where, you know, someone is a home run for your business. And there's going to be obvious examples where you're like, I don't think this person's a fit. Like I really feel it that we're not right for them and, and being okay sending them elsewhere will, will really make you better at sales when it is the fit. Do you think it's all right for us to have that a 10 or 20 minute chat on the phone versus in person? Because if we had the gym open today, I would obviously have the, those conversations in person, but we don't have a space for that. So on May 15th, if there's someone that's interested and we want to have a 10 or 15 minute chat, it seems like it needs to be on the phone. But do you think that'll be effective? Because you're not, you're not, you're obviously not seeing that person face to face. Phone can be effective. Zoom can be effective. Um, I really love in person. Yeah. I, I feel like I can connect with that person so much better in person. Um, I would not be afraid if it's, if you're legally allowed to meet people while it's under construction, I would meet people there. I would, I would invite them into the experience, invite them into your world in that way to see uh, things coming to life and not see that as a bad thing, but to see that as a positive. I know that the, you know, the few members that we have that actually signed up before we opened 10 years ago, um, they still talk about that. They still talk about meeting us when we were painting the walls and they take a lot of pride in, in that aspect of it. So, um, I would embrace it if you have the ability to do that. Yeah, I definitely want to do it that way. And I think we probably will because I have a feeling that the sign-offs and approvals from the various local agencies and governments um, before we can open will take a while. And so our construction, physical construction, will be done probably well before we can actually uh, technically open our doors for classes without potentially facing fines for opening before those sign-offs. So I think that'll be feasible. Yeah, Definitely. Cool. Great. Awesome. Well, we can wrap up here, Brad. Do you have any other questions? No, I think that's all, Andrew. It's great, great to chat with you. Yeah, you as well. Good luck. I hope you hope you crush it. You'll have to come back on the show and let us know how everything went once you guys get open and running. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to.